Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Today, we welcome Dr. Thomas Curran, a psychologist and lecturer from LSE whose expertise on the science of burnout will help give us not just food for thought, but helpful and practical science-based tips to watch out for. As a sufferer myself, this one means a lot to me. So I hope you enjoy and take care of your brain. Over to you, doctor. The main characteristic of burnout, or the, I suppose what we think about when we think about burnout, is exhaustion. So mental and physical exhaustion, extreme drain, extreme fatigue is one of the first core elements of burn, uh, burnout. But there are more. Uh, burnout isn't just about exhaustion. All, exhaustion is sort of like the end, the end point. And there are a couple of precursors to that. The first is cynicism. This is a sense that we kind of lost any interest in the in the things that we do. Um, we're kind of a little bit detached from uh, the work. We don't really care about it anymore. That's the second uh, symptom. And then the third is uh, just a reduced sense of accomplishment that we're up with. The, we're, we're really achieving anything. So what are the typical warning signs to watch out for? Once you start to feel like you're becoming detached from the things that you do. This is kind of, I'm thinking mainly work here, but we can apply it to other settings. But in, in work, once you start feeling detached, once you start feeling like there isn't much linkage between your actions and your outcomes, that you're not really having much of an impact on what's going on in the organization or the business, you know, alarm bells should start to ring about whether you're really happy or comfortable where you are. And, and, that, and that can quickly spiral, by the way. Those feelings can quickly spiral into things like resentment and, and anger, which leads to cynicism and a sense, I don't really care anymore, which ultimately can lead, if we start to feel entrapped by the, the place where we work, to high levels of extreme exhaustion and fatigue and ultimately absenteeism. So, so for me... It's really about enjoyment, and once that starts to wane, you start to feel like you're having less of an impact over what's happening in the workplace. That's an early warning sign for sure. So, if those are the early warning signs, what are the sort of physical uh, and mental manifestations? What are the symptoms? There's a lot of uh, data to suggest that fatigue and stress are things that you start to see that are closely aligned uh, with burnout. And, and a lot of these are psychosomatic too. Um, they come up hand in hand really with stress, and particularly at the end point of burnout when combined with high levels of pressure. Uh, so you have exhaustion, you have cynicism, and then you also have on top of that a lot of top-down pressure where you feel a lot of pressure and particularly around performance. So one, once you combine high levels of social pressure with the burnout symptoms, this is where the stresses come in and then the stresses lead to physiological symptoms that are associated with stress. And sometimes also we see uh, mental health problems start to emerge too, things like anxiety in particular, which comes which is alloyed to stress, uh, start to come in and, and there are all, all manner of symptoms that are associated with anxiety, lack of sleep, poor diet, a lot of uh, fatigue and exhaustion. So it's not a particularly good 
syndrome to start to fall into. And so preemptive self-care is really important on this one, I think. And can anyone get burnout? Or I guess a better question is, you know, is anyone exempt from that possible feeling? You know, is there an age? Is there a gender? Is there anything like that where like there's been no reported cases of it? Or is that a ridiculous question? It it depends. I'm not, I, I don't know the data off, off by hand. I do know that burnout is something that's in the water, like perfectionism is something that's far more common among younger generations. There was a great article actually by a um, journalist for uh, BuzzFeed, I think it was, but I might be wrong. Yeah, it went viral. Are we the burnout generation, right? That's right, yeah. It went viral because it was very relatable for uh, young people who, who, you know, the idea of a career for young people these days is becoming less and less of a reality. And they're kind of of jumping from gig to gig, from short-term contract to short-term contract. Uh, Lots of things pile up. The to-do list becomes enormous. And then we just kind of feel like we can't get on top of everything. There's always more to do. And also, we can't enjoy or gratuitously enjoy free time or activities of passion because we're thinking all all the while that we might be compromising some money that could be made on the side gig, you know? So I I think there's a lot of cultural factors that are impacting on young people's sense of burnout. So I think there's we haven't done the data, and I'd love to do this project. We haven't done it to to demonstrate that younger people are experiencing burnout at high levels, but I think there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to suggest that might be the case. Beyond that, the only thing that we really do know that interacts with to create burnout is high pressurized conditions and particularly work environments. We did a bit of data analysis looking at the relationship between infections and burnout. Yes, there's a relationship between infections and burnout, but that relationship is particularly strong in work context, which suggests that there's something about work context and particularly when we feel entrapped within a work in the workplace that exacerbates uh, those symptoms. Is burnout only related to work? Like my personal experience of burnout was completely related to work, but I'd love to know. It doesn't have to be in work. There's a lot of research that shows burnout can occur in things like sport, um, high-level high elite sport. Uh, I tend to find athletes inexplicably just can't keep going and remove themselves from the activity. I think Andre Agassi would be a good example, but you know, you can think of others where they've just had enough. And, you know, Agassi was a great one because he described just hating tennis, right? And you can easily apply that to your work, you know, like you just hate the thing that you do and that's why you you leave. And that's very classic burnout. But, you know, we see it in uh, school and universities among students. You know, this isn't just a work-based phenomenon, but we know that it's particularly acute in workplace environments because you cannot really remove yourselves quite as easily from that uh, environment than it would be perhaps from other more volitional environments like the sport or education. And do you think it's got worse during the pandemic? Again, this would just be speculation because I don't know of any data, but I can quite easily see a theory for why burnout would have increased, particularly if we didn't like or enjoy the work we did in the first place and we've been moved to do it at home where there's no social contact. So you remove that kind of element of of the work that you actually enjoyed, you know, seeing other people and interacting with super. You might not like the job, but at least you were able to interact and uh, spend time with others. I think that that could be a particular recipe for acute levels of burnout that maybe we're not seeing yet, but perhaps are coming down the road. 
So you've kind of touched on it earlier, right, with basically the message that we've got at Heights in general around brain care is that prevention is the the key to all of this, right? So wellness is ultimately the answer to how to avoid illness. So I guess it's teeing up what I think you're going to scientifically provide evidence around, but what can we do to actively avoid burnout? Preeminent self-care for burnout in particular is really important. You know what? Once you feel like things are getting on top of you and once you start to feel that cynicism start to creep in, we've all been there. And once you start to feel that tiredness and that fatigue start to creep in, we've certainly been there. That's when instead of pushing ourselves harder, we need to take a step back and do things that give us pleasure that can replenish those resources. So whether that be, I know it's difficult in a pandemic, of course, but whether that be spending time with the people that we love, whether that be just taking ourselves off for a week, maybe two, and just doing nothing other than reading and relaxing, uh, whether that be mindfulness, if that's your thing, yoga, if that's your thing. Uh, my thing is cycling and I love playing the guitar. Those are the two things that I immediately look to once I start to feel like things are getting on top of me a bit. It doesn't matter what it is, but it does matter that it's preemptive because the, all these things that you do to make your life worthwhile and enjoy and, and find happiness are going to produce far less happiness when you're already burnt out. So the preemptive nature of, of finding that time for yourself and doing things that you enjoy is, is crucial. And, and like I say, once you start to feel those that cynicism and that fatigue start to creep in, actively address it at that point rather than wait till the kind of fire is engulfing the house and the, you know we're calling the fire brigade and, and, and it's really hard to turn the corner on. And is there any evidence or have you seen anything about nutrition playing a role here? And I guess like part of the reason for asking other than, you know, heights and uh, being relevant for us, but it's also just thinking about stress, right? As in stress responses quite often, you'll go for sugar, you'll go for comfort food. Does it make you feel better? Very temporarily, but of course, much better is actually making sure you're getting good, healthy nutrients in because it will make a difference. So is it the same scenario with burnout? A hundred percent, it's the same example. This is where, you know, I've, I've mentioned a lot of uh, physical activities there, but it's the same with diet because you're actually right. We start to feel stressed and things are getting on top of us and we have symptoms that are allied to stress, particularly things like anxiety. We turn to unhealthy behaviors and, and unhealthy foods because they release serotonin and make us feel better. And it's that kind of self-therapy. I've done it myself and I, I know that it's very easy to do because it's the easy thing, right? Like it's the short-term hit. But absolutely, it's really important that we try not to do that and that we engage in preemptive health behaviors first. And I used to work in, physical, in the area of physical activity, so I know how important physical activity is. But equally, diet is also uh, crucial. Good balanced diet, healthy foods, some people, they find it useful, but don't go on to the fatty sorts, sort of like uh, keto diets or whatever. Be, make sure it's balanced. Make sure you're getting the right nutrients, getting the right vitamins in. Uh, that's really, really important. And that just involves a balanced diet and doing plenty of physical activity. So all those things, are, are, I think, are really, really important. And again, it's better to be preemptive about that than to let burnout take over. So if you could summarize uh, your insights and wisdom for anyone that, you know, comes into the podcast and decides to listen to just the last minute, um, whoever you are, shame on you, but let's just say they exist. Your top three tips for managing burnout. The first thing 
is kind of linked to perfectionism, mm -hmm. but to try to avoid focusing on the outcomes of whatever you're engaged in, whether that be your performance reviews, whether that be the amount of money you make or uh, how many followers you have or whatever, whatever the outcome is that you're chasing. I know it sounds paradoxical, but actually try to remove that from your sense of self and instead focus on what you enjoy about what you do. What's the social impact? How does it, what, how are what you're doing making a contribution and a purpose? Because purpose and meaning are really, really important. So is development and growth. What can I learn? How can I develop? So shifting our focus from the outcomes to the development, the growth and the purpose, I think instantly is, is for me anyway, has been a far better way for me to do what I do. Because if I didn't do that, I would have burnt out long, long, long ago. Finding purpose in your work is really, important again it goes back to what we we're saying before particularly for burnout preemptive rest and self-care is crucial there's there's no doubt about that the evidence is really strong on this that making sure we're aware of the when the symptoms start to kick in rather than them having already taken over and doing something about it in that moment is is crucial so being preemptive about our health and and then finally i would say it's for burnout in particular because exhaustion and cynicism and a reduced sense of accomplishment are crucial features of burnout, have a think about once those symptoms start to creep in, if whether, uh, whether this perhaps is uh, the line of work that you're really passionate about or that's something that you really want to do. And maybe it is, and maybe the, these symptoms can be addressed with some of the things I've just talked about. But on the other hand, maybe that burnout is signaling that perhaps a career change might be good for you to try and seek out other opportunities or do things that provide you with more purpose or meaning might be a good thing. So it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes we can stick at things too long and they compromise our health. It's not always a bad thing for these things to come in that tell us something about maybe a change of direction. It might be good for us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.